Yeah, look, that that music, I kind of strangely feel like a pork knuckle of beer and some kind of lederhosen and a, a, a quick bum-slapping dance or something. I feel like well, dancing. I don't think we're there. I reckon that's a valiant try, though. I do like that music. A valiant uh, pacer try? Yeah, Hemi, two, four, five. Right. I, don't, I, don't I don't know whether um, it fits the bill, but we'll, we'll keep at it. We'll keep at it. We will get there. Stay tuned a, for next week. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> now, I'll explain who that voice is. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and this week I'm joined by our esteemed editor, Mal. Hello, everybody. And Cars Guide's new adventure editor, Crafty. Hello, listeners. This week, we look at the highlights from the Tokyo Motor Show. I know we touched on it uh, last week. I was away because I was actually there. We'll look at some of the mainstream offerings and the weird and wonderful things lurking in the shadows. We've had a couple of uh, Chinese brands score a big five stars with ANCAP. We'll look at the implications for that. And we'll get some background on, um, on Crafty's role with us here at Cars Guide. Um, we'll also talk about SEMA because talking about timeliness, it's, it's coming up at us. It's a Las Vegas extravaganza that deserves to be investigated. But um, maybe I can, I can kick it off. Mal, last night, uh, last night, last week you touched on the Mazda 3 and 6, the concepts that represent the next generation of them. What do you make of them? So last week we spoke to you from the past um, and we only knew of two Tokyo concepts. So the Mazda Kai and the Mazda, what was it? The Vision Coupe. Vision, Vision Coupe, Coupe concept. Which, you know, really, it's the next Mazda 626 with a bit of uh, extra flash on it. Yeah, you're uh, showing your age there, mate. It's actually a Mazda 6. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been, has, I don't think it's been a 626 since the 50s. Did I say 626? You sure you did. did. You did. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. They've looked. Don't be sorry, they, mate. Just get it right. Just, they won't forgive you. I'll but just let's move on. Now. 626? What am I thinking? Well, make it a pair and go for 323. I think I'm still speaking from the past. All right. So they were there, both of those. Yep. Um, And I've got to tell you that they are beautiful. But it's always subjective. But I thought that whole Kodo design language that Mazda's been playing with for the last few years is terrific. And these are... It's hard to see how they could top some of those designs, but these cars are both beautiful in their own way. I think the belt line and the uh, C-pillar on the Kai mm-hmm. slash 2019 Mazda 3 yeah. is particularly sexy. It is. And, the, uh, you know, Alfa Romeo, hello. Yeah. There yeah. wasn't an opportunity to get in the car because it would have been interesting to see what that means in terms of um, your over-shoulder vision because just to look at it from the outside, it seemed a bit dodgy in that regard. But uh, beautiful car, beautiful car. Um, and look, there's there's the wonderful. The weird was lurking close by at every pace you took, as tends to be the case in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. And 2017 was no disappointment, James. Yeah, crafty. You were you were asking about the scale of the place earlier. I'd I'd heard um, you know un, unlike other major motor shows, I was under the impression that Tokyo was a little bit more understated, and yet. Uh, just as substantial, if uh, if not more, yeah. than than things like Frankfurt and um, you know Detroit and those sort of things that are all sort of glitz and glamour, which is fine, but Tokyo plays it down a little bit, play, plays it a little more real, but with just as much impact. Yeah, it does. I mean, the the it's your home game, so the Japanese brands are are playing a big hand there. 
and you'll find that in Germany or, you know, wherever you go. Uh, but it's not as physically big. Frankfurt, for example, you need a packed lunch and a bus ticket to get from one end to the other. And rollerblades. And rollerblades and whatever. <laughs> so here, y- there is a fair bit of distance between the two major parts of the show, but what the actual physical uh, footprint of the displays is relatively modest. Yeah, the square metre sort of floor Square metre sort yeah, of thing. Is, is, uh, is not massive. But the displays themselves are spectacular and lurking around the back are things like, you know, Falcon turned up with a plane. Um, There's no need to swear. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll watch it. Uh, Falcon? Falcon? uh, Turned up with a plane. Okay, it was a Red Bull Air Race winning plane, but they turned up with one. Um, Suzuki turned up with some cars and some outboards. And I was absolutely stunned and amazed by their flagship outboard, which is two metres tall, weighs 340 kilograms, is powered by a 4.4 litre V6 that produces 257 kilowatts. Uh, And... The video promo film they had had two of these things on the back of some poor unfortunate boat. A ferry? <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, little, a little tinny? Just amazing. So th- <laughs> there were things like that. You've got the uh, Takayama Cars Micro Freedom, which was actually a giant Yamcha trolley that uh, expanded laterally with a kind of metal case on it. Go, go like to over- a Winnebago, yeah, but um, not. L- listeners, go to Oversteer. Our colleagues at Oversteer run a story on it. It's quite something. Uh, what else did we have? I think that story was written by James Cleary. That's right. Yes, it was a fantastic read too. I don't and trust the- anything that bloke writes. <laughs> Honda went all retro because some of their motorbikes were celebrating a 50-year anniversary. So there were step-throughs and posty bikes and God knows what. You had the original and the remade kind of replica tribute and they looked almost identical except for a cheeky little disc brake on the front or something like that. James, that was we've gone boats, we've gone bikes. Yep. This is the Cars Guide podcast. Well, look, in terms of cars... I was frankly a bit disappointed that the new Toyota Century is no longer a V12. It's actually a V8 hybrid. Uh, so no V12 for Toyota. Very, not frankly disappointing, very disappointing. Were and the doilies impressive? Uh, look, they weren't in evidence. So <gasps> it may have been... Strop four cylinders and the doilies. It was the car was a distance away. I couldn't really confirm on the, on the headrest doilies. But the other one I did see was the TJ Cruiser, which I described as a cross between a bulldog, a tank, and Wally the robot. I read um, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's, yeah. I like it. Everyone else I spoke to, not so much, but I thought it was wonderfully weird. I'd love to see it. Yeah, so there was a lot going on there, and you're right, Crafty, um, the Tokyo show is more intensive. Frankfurt this year was all about electricity, electrification, we're all going electric. This year at Tokyo, the theme was much more about mobility. We're not just going to make cars, we're going to help people get from A to B. So that might be something that helps um, a physically disabled person walk or get around or whatever. So the whole concept of mobility rather than we just make cars, which has been kicking around for a few years but seems to be becoming real. Um, I love that I love that idea, though, because, you, you know, you're talking about um, people with disabilities or, or returning servicemen and women and that sort of thing. I yeah. mean, that, that mobility concept is, is unbelievable, is, is great, I reckon. Yeah. The Japanese seem to be ahead of the curve there too with the you know, factory-built uh, echo-based mobility vehicles mm. with you know, yeah. giant sliding doors that yep. a few of them get uh, grey imported over here. Mm. Um, good on them, but uh, very interesting. It starts the rest to make, of the world it, can't keep up. It starts to make sense of all the weird and wacky robots that they've been building for a time, you know, and I saw one that plays the violin. That was pretty good. Uh, but all of that is ultimately focused on working out how all this robotic stuff works such that they can then supplement people's movement and and maybe help them. That's one stream of the research anyway, and help them get around. So it starts to make sense of all that stuff that on the surface seems completely left field. 
So focused on mobility rather than um, focusing on pure. You know, everyone's talking about electric this, electric that out of Frankfurt. Like yeah. that. We're all, you know, we're all bombarded with that sort of thing. But um, yeah. it's refreshing to see. Yeah, yeah. Look, there, there's a lot of elect- electric cars there. Don't get me wrong. The, the Japanese are onto that as well and hydrogen fuel oh, stack every, vehicles and all, be, that, yeah, all that. But I, the thrust of it was a little bit different. It was, it was this mobility thing. It was quite clear. It's definitely one to see, Tokyo. It's yep. a bucket list item. Definitely. Now... That's good. Let's move on from somewhere else in Asia to China. And we've got a couple of brands that have put their car through the uh, ANCAP paces and come up trumps with five stars. We've got the LDV T60, which is a dual cab ute. You got that right. And yep. we've got the Haval, Havel, mm-hmm. Hav, Hav, Havale, Havel. <laughs> Havel. Havel, Havel, like Havel, Havel, H2, Havel H2, which yeah, is an SUV. Small SUV. Small yeah. SUV. Yep. Both of those have scored five and, and cap stars, and that's on the back of an MG model, which now, believe it or not, is made in China, um, scoring the five stars. Crafty, does this mean some of these Chinese brands are getting their act together? I think so. I think so, James. Um, I went to the launch of the LDV T60 yesterday, uh, and they climbed out of the thing um, a few hours ago. Uh, we did a decent sort of bitumen and off-road loop, uh, a, a gravel track, that sort of thing. But um, initial impressions, and I think I told you guys about a month ago when they had their launch event uh, at which we got to walk around the things but we weren't allowed to drive them. Mm. Oh, that's only because you were there. (laughs) That's that's correct. I thought the others got to drive it. Yeah, that's right. that's right. I I was drunk. (laughs) um, And uh, and even then, I mean, the the improvements uh, in in fit and finish and build quality were – were eons ahead of what we've seen before. Yeah. So, so the initial impressions were good, and with the drive yesterday, uh, it only consolidated those sort of ideas of of improvement. Because it's Massive interesting, isn't it? There's one school of thought that says the difference between manufacturers in China and others around the rest of the world is that um, there's this generalisation that says they're just building things, products. There's no uh, aspiration to make them much better than they need to be to sell at a particular price. There's no driving culture. There's no sense of we want to get to this point by this date and we're going to dominate the world. It's just we're going to build some products at a price, which seems to be the case with other categories that come out of China. But these cars would tend to fly in the face of that, that they're getting demonstrably better and, and the, the technology is finding its way into them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure uh, in some cases those sort of uh, perceptions uh, were incorrect. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's some people who have grabbed a a, um, a, uh, a Chinese-built uh, ute or SCV and, and, and had a fine old time. But generally speaking, in, yeah, in, in general terms, people have, have complained about... Um, that fit and finish and that build quality, that's an obvious thing. Uh, and then later on with ownership, uh, problems of reliability and, yeah. and, and and sort of mid to long term problems. Because I saw one, uh, I was sitting behind a dual cab ute, um, not one of these brands, but uh, it was rusty. And I was just not used to seeing a rusty car. Now, it may have been used at the fish markets every day and they're slamming tuna in the back of it and it's, you know, chock full of salt. I don't know. But it was just so very odd to see a relatively new car rusting. Yeah, um, in yeah. a substantial way. And to me, that just, I don't know, it's question marks about the steel that's used or whatever. Well, we, it's pretty clear to say that the uh, the early Great Walls are a very rare sight these days. You said it, I didn't. You may remember the SA220, which I think was called after the Sailor or something. Really? It? Anyway, okay. when did you last see one of those? Yeah. They did sell a couple. Right. So they may have gone back to nature, you reckon? 
perhaps. one flake of I'm iron oxide at a, at a time. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you'll see when these things are released uh, or, or sold new, they're, they're launched three months, four months down the track. You'll see them on Gumtree and whatever. People can't move them, you know, fast enough. They or you'll see them, them on a Gumtree, like when you're in the outback, <laughs> you know, to advertise the local tyre mart. <laughs> That's correct. I, I always think, you know, <clears throat> is it worth taking a punt on these Chinese products or buying a second-hand reputable uh, ute like a Hilux or a Ranger yeah. or a Triton? Yeah. Or Navara, uh, Crafty. Where do you think the LDV two hundred and sixty stacks up in that regard? Um, it's it's a great thing compared to what's come before, but I'd still err on the side of caution, and I'd I'd go a, a, a second hand sort of more reliable, uh, you know, you'd like a Hilux or something like that. Uh, the things are much much better than before. Um, they're very well priced. The, sh- the the pricing is very sharp. They've got plenty of features. They've got a lot of uh, passive and active safety tech. They've made huge uh, uh, jumps in, in, in that realm. Uh, and it's five-star cap. And, I mean, for fleet buyers yep. or families yep. or tradies who take their families out on the weekend, that's a, that's a massive thing. I mean, you know, whether, whether you... Uh, you know whether you give it much credence or not. That's a massive thing in 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 the market. Good, and that that, ladies and gentlemen, is the voice of authority, and that's a very nice segue into you, Crafty, giving us a potted description of of where you've come from and what you're going to be doing with us as adventure editor for uh, for Cars Guide. Fill us in. What's it all about, James? It's not going to be a potted uh, description. I've got uh, forty pages right. of script here. Where to were get you through. born? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> At what time? <laughs> no, it's, How big um, are those pages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a kind of personal question. But um, <laughs> moving right along, uh, basically we, we want to bring all of the – we we love the camping and outdoors lifestyle. We love vehicles. I mean, Mal and I have, have driven lots and lots of four drives, all-wheel drives, all Live over the place. It. Live and breathe. Um, and what we want to do is we want to introduce people who perhaps are on the periphery perhaps it's a little bit intimidating you know four-wheel drives all-wheel drives all the all the mechanical things the technical things maybe they're a bit scared of camping or they don't know where to start we're going to introduce the whole world of 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 sort of traveling and enjoying the outdoors to all of those sort of people as well as 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 sort of bringing new and informed uh knowledge and tips and how to advise to people who have perhaps been doing it for years because we've we've said um before on the podcast that it looks like this year will be the first year that suvs overtake um your conventional hatches and sedans and what have you in terms of sales and i'd argue that a lot of people buy those suvs with the the dream of of heading off highway and and doing some of that stuff but it's just the wherewithal and and having the confidence to go and do it so you know. Yeah, and a lot of people assume that you need a Land Cruiser to go off-road. But, right. you know, a two-wheel drive CX-3 will take you on plenty of dirt roads. Yep. And, you know, that's where you see a lot of Land Cruisers. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. as far as they Absolutely. Go. Absolutely. You can, <clears throat> you can climb in a, into a showroom all-wheel drive or, or, as Mel said, a two-wheel drive, and you can have a great camping weekend. You don't have to go across the Simpson Desert. You don't have to go to Cape York. You can have an awesome time a couple of hours out of... You know, your capital city. Yes. Uh, there's absolutely no reason, um, you know, why you can't, you yeah. know, sort of scale up the adventure to fit your family and your school level and your vehicle. Absolutely. And have a, you know, have a ball. I've often sat in the uh, in the, the car park that is a traffic jam and, you know, when you've the tra- traffic's banked up and someone cracks first, someone does the U-turn and, and kind of peels out. And if there's a pretty sturdy median strip, 
you always see it somebody in a four-wheel drive and I can't help but think the driver's going, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pay off. That's why I bought the four-wheel drive, right? <laughs> it's come home to roost. This is exactly the situation. It's the, it's the same at a regional rugby league match or something like that. You'll, you'll always yeah. see that. Yeah, oh, I think I'll need the, the diff locks. Drive. I better pull the diff That's locks. correct, yeah, because yeah. then you can ramp the gutter and, and find a really good spot to watch the footy. <laughs> can I just add, if you're wanting to see any of uh, Crafty's work, search Cars Guide for Marcus Craft. His actual name... <laughs> <laughs> again, again, that is correct. Good point. Good point. All right, that's great. Now, Crafty, you can also fill us in because um, you're the only one of the three of us that has been over to the the SEMA show in Las Vegas. Now, excuse me, SEMA. Oh, oh, SEMA. SEMA. Okay, yeah. SEMA show. SEMA. Not a, not a merchant SEMA. Now, look. <laughs> now, <laughs> as far as I understand it, those letters stand for Specialty Equipment Marketing Association. It's not a public show. It is a trade show. And the invite only. The whole yep. the whole thrust of the association is that they want people to improve, modify, whatever their cars to retain the right to upgrade their cars. So all of these manufacturers of specialty equipment have banded together. According to the ever reliable Wikipedia, there are now six thousand three hundred and eighty three companies globally that constitute SEMA, and this uh, extravaganza each year in Las Vegas. It's coming up, it's about to be on. The OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers, do their own special custom cars. Everyone else is going nuts for it. V12 LS1 uh, engines. Um, Crafty, tell us about your experience there. I I went um, just over 10 years ago. I went in 2006 uh, by invitation, um, along with a a bunch of other Australian journos. Um, And it was was unbelievable. And I mean, obviously, it's it's, it's probably grown tenfold by now. it is a massive, massive thing. I, I can't even, you know, begin to explain to you. When I first arrived there, um, along with these other Aussie journos, I, I kept seeing all these people in, in, in sort of golf carts driving around and I thought, well, they're the, you know, they're the laziest people around because you should be walking and enjoying yourself. Then I realised about four days into it that this thing is massive yeah, yeah. and I've got to steal one of those so golf carts. No, you slipped on the rollerblades and... And started cutting some figure eights. And Should the, have left them in Frankfurt. And the, yeah. and the hot denim shorts. That's right. The the, the torn offs. The that's Daisy Jukes. <laughs> Crafty in his Daisy Jukes <laughs> on the rollerblades. That's even a horrible mental image for me, mate. Um, <laughs> but it, it is a massive thing. It uh, and it's incredible the the scope of products. The the you know and the people you meet. And I spend a lot of my time outside. Um, because they have a purpose-built uh, rock crawling track. Wow! Uh, you could go for a ride. I it's could in barely the car fit park, in. Isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Wow. I could I could barely fit into the harness, but it was unbelievable. And I've done that stuff before, but these guys are, you know, and it, and it's unbelievable. And that's the scope, you know, and the 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 products and the scope of experience there. Yeah. The volume of people, the sheer volume of people, and and, and it's incredible. Isn't it strange, Mel, that a show like SEMA, and you have the Consumer Electronics Show. The whole we were just talking about Tokyo. That's more your traditional car show. It's these more specialty uh, events that seem to be capturing the imagination of car brands, and and they're using those as vehicles to launch stuff. Well, the, the concept of a traditional motor show is pretty old one and pretty questionable in these days, where everyone announces their big reveals before the show. Um, and you know the likes of SEMA and uh, CES conform to this show format. But uh, they seem to be growing and getting bigger and better. Yeah, definitely. Know? Perhaps this is where you know the products are emerging in greater volumes and yep. faster, etc., than cars. I don't know. But uh, crikey, SEMA. Well, SEMA seems to be almost a cross between you know uh, Halloween, uh, a Comic Con, um, Summer Nats. 
and a, a car show. You know, but it's, it's heaven, really heaven for modified car <laughs> that's, people. Yeah. That's that's pretty much spot on. Um, and another and another thing, and it kind of ties in with the adventures thing, is that at this thing, Australian uh, aftermarket suppliers and manufacturers are uh, superbly well represented, um, and they often choose to launch a new range or show off a new range of of gear. Um, at this thing, because it really, yeah. it, it really is a, a, a sort of show on steroids, yeah. and you know all of those things, Comic Con, Summer Nats, it's it you really bet. is. And I'm I'm a big fan of the um, LS1 V12, um, and that's produced he- <laughs> here in Australia. And last year, if you're there, guys, shout out to you, well done. Um, and last year, you got a Camaro slammed an LS1 V12 in the front of it. And the place went nuts. And as I understand it, you're now casting them in aluminium or iron or whatever you want and going gangbusters. So that's a clear example of someone who's done just that crafty. Yeah, and I mean, uh, that's made a big splash. Yeah, and that sort of coverage for Aussie companies is incredible. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't buy that. They pay a lot of money to exhibit. Uh, but the you know the number of people that are exposed to your product, your brand, and the mm. chance you know the chance you get to network is can't be beaten. And they're genuine industry people too. That's it's, right. It's not punters just going to have fun. Just yes. just tire kickers and stuff like that. No, yeah. it's 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 people who who know and who have the money and mm. yeah. So a lot of, would a lot of them be um, retailers, aftermarket retailers that are looking at new products and that kind of stuff, or or is it more collaboration between companies that want to produce? things in different countries or how does how does it work do you know it's it's the whole spread i think i think you'll get a really good cross-section of of everyone from the industry um uh, mechanics yeah yeah all right so tools and workshop stuff is there as well yeah yeah it's all there mate i mean fridges bull bars hot rods yeah great great (laughs) you know who else is also there we're very jealous of crafty having gone 21 years ago but, uh, oh no no no! Oh, sorry, it was two thousand and six, not nineteen. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still in the past. Sixty-six. Car's got an oversteer's very own Ian Kelly's there, right? Oh, now. good, good oh, on yeah. him. Yep. Second year running, so keep an eye on oversteer for uh, what he has to say about SEMA two thousand and seventeen. Good. All right. Well, look, I think that's kind of brought us to a, a natural uh, kind of point, a fork in the road, as it were. With that, I think yeah, we've reached the finish line. And uh, thank you, Mel. Thank you, James. Thank you, Crafty. And thank you for the, the background on adventure at Cars Guide. Thanks, James. Thanks, too, to our studio producer, James Mad Dog Marsden. Um, the maddest dog. Yes. And our, our generous sponsor, the Winton Motor Company, uh. maker of the famously fast and dangerous Winton Turbo. And thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag at CG Podcast. Oh, no, sorry, hashtag CG Podcast. And why not record a voice memo on your phone and email it to comments at carsguide.com.au. Remember to subscribe and please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps spread the hopefully good word on the podcast. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, remember, working on your car will teach you mechanics, patience, and every swear word known to mankind.